0: adventures and welcome to the audio armory an exploration of weaponry through the ages i am your local bard emily cardamus and i'm your local blacksmith liz belt and i caught liz off guard with the intro <laughs> yes you did you you whod it is what i do and i do it well oh goodness. we're under a tight schedule today liz so let's yeah. just get right to it let's skip the cute and charming intro where we witty banter and all that stuff and let's just get right down to the bare bones the meat of today's episode the the filet mignon
1: but you said bones the filet mignon
0: of today's episode do do you mean the cartilage (laughs) it's it's the chef's special it's this filet mignon Filet, and you ordered it well done which is terrible and insulting why would you order a filet mignon well done but you thought enough about this to ask the chef please butterfly my steak so that your filet mignon your well done filet mignon wouldn't just be a hockey puck it would just be like a smaller hockey puck because what are you doing ordering a filet mignon well done Uh... i used to be this person (laughs) okay (laughs) and with that note (laughs)
1: Um, okay, note to self, don't piss off Emily when it comes to filet mignon.
0: Don't order a well-done filet mignon in front of me. I will just... I'll stand up from the table and I'll just punch you right in the face. And then from the kitchen, the chef will be like, hell yeah.
1: And then I'll just demand a... My, my steak's still mooing. Yeah. I demand a baby cow so I can cuddle it. I <laughs> Okay, but getting down to the filet mignon of the day yep i guess um we'll be covering since last week we went over well two weeks ago we went over katanas we're gonna stay in japan and actually cover their pole arms today hey liz Um, liz
0: would you say that this episode we're doing it in the japanese style first you hit me with this Japanese style. Uh, We're doing it in the Japanese style, Liz. uh, It's 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 funny. It's funny. (laughs) When thinking of Japanese
1: samurai, people generally think they only use katana's and other smaller blades. However, a range of different polearm weapons were also used by both samurai and foot soldiers between the 1400s and the late
0: 1800s. That's a really wide range.
1: I know, right? I didn't know samurai lasted for so long. Like, they actually... I think the last samurai recorded was in the early 1900s. Wow.
0: Well, could I was going to think, like, is... Like, initially, before you said that factoid, I was thinking, like, maybe samurai is just, like, a more... It's just, like, a term rather than, like, a very specific thing. Well, I believe, and I could be wrong because I didn't exactly
1: do research specifically on samurai, Mm -hmm. I believe they were, like, a type of guard, basically.
0: Right. No, I knew Mm -hmm. that. I guess I was just, like, initially I thought maybe at some point samurai became synonymous with just, like, infantrymen or whatever like what i don't believe so actually but but right but the way that you say it that way where like the last samurai was kind of makes me think that it totally wasn't and i'm I'm not saying it started off that way because initially they well we're not going to get into the whole like history of feudal japan but initially they were farmers yeah (laughs) um but I like, you know, initially my thought was like, oh, maybe this transformed throughout the years, but I, but that's obviously not the case. Continue on. I'm sidetracking us.
1: No, you're good. Continuing on, um, one of the earliest Japanese polearm weapons was known as a... Um,
0: hmm. Nagamaki.
1: There you go. See, look, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let you do that. Because <laughs> I don't want to Japanese butcher... is
0: really easy to say, my dude.
1: But I can't even handle our own language. Yeah, that's fair. So who am I to try and take on another? And they're strongly associated with two warring samurai clans, which was between around uh, 1192 and 1573. Um, Basically, this weapon was a steel pole with a katana blade attached to it. um, And it ranged somewhere between three to five feet in length.
0: Oh, I've seen these things. Okay. This is going to sound like the worst thing ever in the world. Um, I remember playing Fire Emblem and seeing like units with. Yeah. That's how like the spears look in Fire Emblem. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> yeah. They're in Fire Emblem. <laughs> They're definitely in Fire Emblem. It's
0: just, it's just that's how like I think a lot of spears are shown in Fire Emblem for some reason. So.
1: Probably anyway. that, and then the one I'll get to here later on. There was only a small flat cro- cross guard to protect your hands so that required very specific fighting techniques in order to not only be offensive but defensive Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the time they would kind of use that cross guard to kind of catch an opponent's pole arm and bring it down however it's like i said it took many years of practicing using this kind of weaponry and a lot of it started off as for training you just use a bow staff which for those who don't know it's just a rod essentially
0: it's a stick stick. now do these pole arms paint me paint me a picture here um we have the japanese pole arms and right now specifically the nagamaki but time period wise are these are these being used synonymously with halberds like is this happening at the same time but in different areas? You know what I mean. I believe so. Probably okay.
1: I would have to double check that. Yes, actually, um, it would be just starting to happen towards uh, the later end of this.
0: Okay, so we're so, so so this is this, this is is almost first. The t- they sort of they sort of overlap. So the history of the Japanese pole arm. Is kind of the first one, and then halberds sort of overlap with them. Yes, it just made me think of that because the way you were describing the the way the nagamaki the nagamaki was used, you know, the sort of having a cross guard and catching your opponent's weapon was very similar to a dis- the discussions that we had about halberds. So,
1: yes, that's actually a good point. I didn't even make that connection. I was just kind of like, oh, that's neat.
0: <laughs> I would assume I would, as- <laughs> and, and this might be drawing too many conclusions, but I. You know, it, it it could be possible that one informed the design of the other to some extent. Um, I know we talked about like halberds kind of being the chimera of weapons, where they were basically like, I have a sword and an axe, I'm gonna put it on a stick. Uh, but to some Pretty extent, much. maybe the f- uh, re- refinement of them um, in terms of how they were used were. Oh uh, yeah, depending on when this.
1: when trade with. Japan and China and areas like that actually started to Mm -hmm. really, um, I guess, become more... What's the word I'm looking for? Frequent? Yeah, more frequent. um, Because people were constantly stealing from each other. Right. uh, During that period, especially with weaponry, because it's just like, oh, this thing is neat. You have a cool thing and I want it. Yeah, it's like, I can use it for this and do this style Mm -hmm. instead and really confuse people. So... Yeah, there's a good chance that one influenced the other, especially right. since the halberd was, you know, a hodgepodge of things. Right. Instead of a steel pole, sword makers used uh, wood wooden set of steel, like in the Nagimaki. And in turn, it made it much more easier to maneuver mm-hmm. and just generally carry around on the battlefield. So uh, originally,
0: beca- the whole thing was steel
1: yes and it basically was this... the
0: upgrade was hey maybe we shouldn't make this whole thing out of steel
1: <laughs> yeah maybe we shouldn't make it like 20 pounds good i'm glad <laughs> but because of its new refined uh, design it was actually able to make battle techniques that were a lot more developed hmm. uh in a very strange way it became more like a propeller motion and allowed for attacks to happen very easily at all points of the body because you're a windmill with a spiky stick.
0: Right.
1: It's it's gonna hurt.
0: You're like Yamato man in Mega Man six, six. I think it was
1: six. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyways, (laughs) this actually led to the development of a, of better armors for the lower half of the body, because typically uh, with a katana, you attacked from the waist up because it Mm -hmm. was easier to get at. Um, Mm -hmm. But with the development of these types of pole arms, you had had much more range and you could, like I said earlier, attack literally any part of the body.
0: Right. Um, Which means you now have to protect every part of the body.
1: Yes. Um, And this actually became very popular amongst the wives of samurai warriors and are today still used in uh, martial arts sports. But a really cool fun fact that I came across, uh, women samurai were actually very common in feudal Japan, and they took advantage of the elevated position instead of just, you know, hanging out at home and doing those duties. Mm -hmm. Uh, And other than Mulan, there were like several other different really, really insane kind of and terrifying samurai.
0: Like, well, here's the I, thing.
1: Mulan was in China. But they referred to... But, like, in the reference of a warrior. True. Like, female warriors weren't viewed as, you know, common. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, they were a lot more common simply because oh. they would watch their husbands fight. And as a result, it would be like, yeah, what the heck, why not? Let me just, you know... I can play do that with it. better. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I can do that. Let's do it. Typically, these weapons would be decorated with... Minimal gilded designs um, that would commonly show the owner's clan crest. That was basically a way to kind of, especially in the smaller battles, was very much a pride thing.
0: Mm. You would
1: have, you would be sporting your clan as you were, you know, about to face death, essentially. It was, ba- it was
0: basically like saying, like, look how cool I am. I'm from the, uh, uh my name's Dave or whatever. I'm from and the Dave my... clan. Uh, I'm the, I'm the Dave clan. <laughs>
1: Dave from the Dave clan. There's just a clan
0: full of Daves.
1: And it's like but it's
0: basically it's basically like putting like when you had a lunchbox in school and you like put your name on your lunchbox to be like that's my lunchbox. It's the cool Mickey Mouse one or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> this metaphor makes sense in my head. <laughs> It's perfect. It's flawless. The
1: best. Other popular pole arms included the Yari and the Sode Garami? You did it! I did it!
0: <laughs> I'm so proud of you.
1: That took so much brain power. Um, I'm so,
0: so proud of you.
1: The Yari is a spear weapon, um, much like our other spear weapons, uh, but it was used in a thrusting motion uh, and actually had a heightened popularity between sixteen oh three and eighteen sixty seven. No, which are very is... specific dates.
0: Oh but, yeah, they are.
1: But yeah, that's what I kept getting. I was like, huh. all right, that's very
0: strange to have something must have happened during those dates and maybe that's something we can figure out later. But this is so so this is a thrusting so the Ari was used to sort of more stab versus the uh, Nagamaki, which was sort of this windmill propeller sort of slashing motion thing. Yes. Got it.
1: And these things Ding. were huge. They were typically around 12 feet in length.
0: That's uh, two Mi's.
1: That is two... Wait, or, that's two Yu's? Well, that's about, two Mi's.
0: Well, it's two u's. It's like two Mi's and like a shoe. <laughs> and it's one shack.
1: <laughs> and it's one shack. It's a whole shack. Can we use shack as a unit of measurement?
0: Yes. Okay. Shack is twelve feet tall.
1: Okay. The Yari is is a shack. I love that. It is. It, it is a unit of shack.
0: It um, is a single Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes, indeed. And you know this shack stick. Um, a lot of the times, spearheads were made by smiths that were commonly formed in the same way that a katana is. So it had the hamon pattern across the blade, went through the same kind of layering process with the folding mm-hmm. of the steel mm-hmm. and similar kilns and all that. Um, and So it made it very strong, but also very flexible. However, for foot soldiers, typically the blades had to be mass produced for battle. Uh, so a lot of them were of lesser quality due to the speed in which they were needed. Um so a lot of the materials that were used were typically whatever they could get their hands on. Mm. So it's just like, we have this scrap farm tool, just, just grab it, heat it up, it's good.
0: Use whatever you can, basically.
1: Yes, because desperate times call for desperate measures, of course. Mm-hmm. But now we get to talk about my favorite pole arm. <laughs>
0: Yay! Here's the new here's a new section of the show that we like to call Liz's favorite pole arm, bling,
1: bling. Yes, so we have the soda gar. No, now I can't say soda garami. Soda garami. There we go. Which is it's the most hellish looking pole arm to come out of Japan that I have come across. Imagine this: you have a wooden T shape, like it is literally just a capital T. Okay. Um, and If that gives you any hint, this is known as the sleeve entangler. Along the sides of it were riveted in um, strips of these iron spikes. And at the tops of the T were these large double-sided hooks.
0: So basically, it's a giant garden weasel. Yeah. It's a giant garden weasel. And I've always... Here's the thing. I'm so, oh my god, I'm so satisfied by this right now. I've always contended that a garden weasel would make an amazing weapon in an apocalypse-like scenario. And the (laughs) fact that it kind of already exists in a different form, but it's like two of them attached together, makes me so happy. (laughs) Because
1: I was right! (laughs) But it only gets better! Because, I mean, it's about, it's a little bigger, I guess, because this is only two, this is two feet long. Mm -hmm. Um... And it was specialized for capturing opponents. So, essentially, this weapon would be tossed at an enemy. Oh my and, god! <laughs> yeah, and it would get caught in their clothing. So that it, they would just, you know, basically get tangled and they couldn't move as a result. But That's
0: terrifying.
1: It gets better.
0: I don't like this. Mm,
1: I do. It's like some
0: <laughs> terrible body horror crap.
1: So, I mean, when you get tangled, sometimes you fall. And... As you can imagine, when enemies fell, they definitely took some damage, landing on a bunch of spikes.
0: No, see, it's Um, like a bed of nails. You just gotta, like, spread your body weight out, and then you won't get pierced.
1: Do you want to try spreading your body weight out on a two-foot piece of stick? No.
0: (laughs) I have laid on a bed of nails before, though.
1: Oh. Ow. It doesn't hurt. I can't imagine it's comfortable, either.
0: Uh, No, it's actually pretty okay. Huh. It's, that's why I'm saying you spread your body weight out and it, 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 nothing pierces you.
1: True. I don't, I don't know. I guess I've never done it. So it's just one of those things where it's just like. You should. That's, that still sounds.
0: When you uh, get in when, if you ever get the opportunity, (laughs) listeners at home, if you ever get the opportunity to lay on a bed of nails, just go for it.
1: Or make one of your own. Don't Don't do that. (laughs) Don't actually do that. Don't do that. We do not condone that. Especially do not use rusty nails. No. Even though This was basically a pointy death stick. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the times, it wouldn't pierce the skin all that far because a lot of the spikes were only a half inch in length. So it would go in, but it wouldn't go far enough that it would be like, oh, God, you hit an internal organ.
0: No, it would just, Uh, like, really
1: hurt. Yeah. And then you're just, like, laying there on the floor like, oh, God, why? And then, I mean, you get captured because it won't kill you. But... It's most brutal use was actually when it was used as a true pole arm. Um, so essentially it was used as a barbed club and just like you one hand that sucker and you just slap someone with See, it.
0: This this is the garden weasel application. Yeah. And I mean, the it, garden weasel as a weapon application. <laughs> I'm sure you could also use it to till your yard if needed.
1: Yeah, but I mean, why would you do that when you can easily tear apart exposed flesh?
0: True, why till your yard when you could till a person? dang the Sode garami <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it, and now even though
0: five payments of nineteen ninety nine
1: perfect um and with these um going back to the large hooks, it would act- it could actually get deeper into things like uh armor and heavier clothing Mm -hmm. so it could still get to your skin if it was swung hard enough and if the armor was thin enough um which is always a pleasant thought to think of the only thing i could think of and i don't know why i have this thought is if somebody fell on it like face first oh no yeah and then the hooks and the
0: that's bad
1: yeah you know what listeners use your imagination there yeah Use your imagination on the level of brutality that the you terrible, can achieve with a garden weasel. I mean, soda gar- garami.
0: It's not like not two garden, garden weasels weasel. attached together.
1: <laughs> garden wheel deluxe. Garden wheel. Garden <laughs> weasel I? squared. Garden weasel. My two dads squared. <laughs> my, two, just... my two garden weasels squared. <laughs> garden weasel squared. Uh-huh. Equals soda garami.
0: Equals pain and death. Very slow death, the slowest of deaths. This is an uplifting show. I know.
1: Well, hey, how about we get some uplifting stuff from advice from your local bard this week? Sure.
0: Me, Here I'm we branded. go. Right. No. So this week I'm going to do the advice, and granted, my advice only pertains to those of you out there who are of a legal drinking age, Whatever <laughs> that may be in your country. I'm not going to judge. And I'm not going to condone illegal drinking. You hooligans. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. The dang kids. This week's Bard's advice is don't... Even, even if that sparkling wine you get or that, like, spritzer wine or whatever the heck it is that you bought that was, like, $5 a Target, even though it's delicious and, you know, you need it, you need it for fuel to get through uh, good, good reality television... Don't drink, like, two glasses of it and then just, like, immediately go to bed, because then you'll just be up for two hours because your stomach hurts because, hey, stupid, you just drank, like, a bunch of semi-carbonated liquid, and then you were like, I'm gonna go lay down. Like, what? Pardon, you thought that was a good idea.
1: That reminds me, remember when we were watching Eva... Yes. And we. I ended up drinking both sake and the sparkling, well, not sparkling wine, but it the wine It was normal that, wine. It
0: was a Shiraz. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I felt
0: so gross. Well, yeah. It's because you mix things. It was a bad idea. But you but know they're, what? They're both wines. Oh, well, but it's different. It's a different fermented thing.
1: It's it's a wine and a wine. It's not, though. It's grapes and rice. Which should make a very healthy meal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so why is it a problem? But look, it's okay. It's it's my magic potion that I need to get through these nights. Okay, <laughs> you nerd. It's I need it.
1: I need it or I'll die. Well, well. Now the question is, are you going to
0: have? I'm gonna have ice cream tonight. <laughs>
1: Well, i've already okay, decided that this. answers
0: that question i'm gonna have ice cream i need it i need to treat myself i wish which I means i'm gonna cream. have to go through this episode of the bachelor stone cold sober <laughs> and look that's not a thing i ever want to do but sometimes you gotta suffer okay <laughs> and this was advice from your local
1: bar. yeah oh god <laughs> yeah Beautiful. This is who I've become! <laughs> this is who I am!
0: Anyway, thank you all so very much for listening to this week's episode of the Audio Armory. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'd like to specially thank uh, Samantha Hogan, who did the intro and outro music. You can find her work at SamanthaHogan.com, and you can find her on Twitter at composer. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Audio Armorycast. I am at Corrupted Gem and Liz is at Liz Belts. That's Liz with two Z's. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, actually, if you have concerns, I don't want to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for our shows, uh, feel free to tweet at us or you can email us and by us, I mean me at uh armormorycast at gmail.com. And uh, we're also on iTunes, so if you want to, like, like, review, like, comment, and subscribe. No, <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Review, four, rate, and four review. 420 Blaze. Rate and review on iTunes. Uh, that would be lovely, and it helps us a lot. Um, next two weeks from now's episode is actually going to be a listener suggested one and I don't remember the person who suggested it and I don't remember the topic but I assure you that by two weeks from now I will have both of those things down because you know we'll have research and things uh Liz do you have anything you need to say
1: uh no no I'm cool
0: all right great um until next time I have been and always will be your illustrious bard Emily Cardamus and I will be your...
1: <laughs>
0: and I will always be your local blacksmith, Liz Belts. And until next time, don't throw rocks at birds.
1: Or lay on a bed of, you know, recipes. Garden weasels Or that. Oh god, don't do that. <laughs>